Good morning. It is Wednesday, December 6, 2023. Happy St. Nicholas Day. This is the Red Sea Roundup. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Beauvais. Today, as always, we have a great show ahead of you, for you. Uh, this morning, we will be talking all things Advent. My guest for this morning is Monsignor Leonard Pavonka. Before we start on our interview, I want to remind everybody we're live this morning. So if you have a question or something, feel free to give us a call. 85 Love Red Sea. That's 855 683 7332. And as I mentioned, our guest this morning is Monsignor Leonard Pavanka. Monsignor, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Deacon Mike. Uh, I'm doing fine. Good to be with you today and all the audience to talk about Advent. <laughs> yes. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk a little bit about your faith background and your vocation story and then your ministry leading up to this. So what's your faith background as a young person? Okay. So basically, we're cradle Catholic. Um, Born actually in Bryan, Texas, ah. and uh, baptized at St. Joseph here in Bryan. But then, uh, due to family moving history, we I was uh, lived in Orange for a while, then uh, Beeville, Texas. And it was when I was in Beeville that I uh, went to decided to go to college to A and M. Coming back here, <laughs> and uh, during my first year at A and M is when I got the call to the priesthood. Really, a strong calling. And so decided to end the seminary, and of course, at that time, living in the Corpus Christi Diocese, I became a seminarian for the Corpus Diocese, and then eventually ordained a priest, and then uh, finished my studies at, at, in Ohio, the Pontifical College, Josephine in Ohio. Then three years after ordination, went to Catholic University for a canon law degree, and then basically served at St. Philip the Apostle Church in Corpus, Corpus Christi Cathedral as rector, judicial uh, vicar for the tribunal office, and then finally at St. Elizabeth Church in Alice, which had a Catholic school tied to it. So basically, that's been a brief outline of my life, and then retired just last summer, uh, and have been living in this area, helping out at A&M, with confessions, masses, and at St. Joseph, and, and other parishes in the area. Now, you mentioned that it was here at A&M that you first felt that call to the priesthood. Yeah, I was attending Texas A&M at the time, and to be honest with you, Deacon Mike, it was it was a priest there at St. Joseph that the Lord used. I always feel like when a man's called to the priesthood, you get a calling, and the Lord will use other priests normally. Now, he can use deacons and anybody, but for me, it was another priest serving at St. Joseph at the time that the Lord used to kind of, you know, draw my heart, so to speak, to this vocation. So that's, yeah, it's amazing how that works. I mean, I think... Uh, of course, people are called to different vocations. You know, marriage is a great mystery, how people are called <laughs> yes. to this amazing vocation. Uh, and then uh, all that it entails is, you know, no vocation is easy, but uh, it's just uh, amazing how God works. <laughs> but I think that uh, so you bring up a very good point that, you know, a vocation to the priesthood normally entails there being an example of what that priesthood looks like in real life. Right. And I think one of the problems in the world today in marriages is we have fewer and fewer examples yeah. of what a good Christian marriage looks like. And so when we wonder what's happening to marriage, well, that yeah. might be a clue. I agree, Mike. And we're doing, thank God for Catholic Radio, uh, RC, Red Sea Radio, and, and it's also EW10 and others, for all they're doing to help. Uh, get into the theology of marriage and what it means. All these programs are available now to help couples. Even 
most dioceses have uh, programs now that are met, meant to protect, help a couple get ready well for marriage. Yeah, in all of its aspects, it's not easy. No. Communication, you've got to understand the sexuality of it, the beauty of it. got to understand uh, how kids and all the gifts of kid, children, raising kids, and then being willing to make your life a true sacrifice of love you know, for each other. And then recognize that your marriage is intended to be an example to the rest of the world of God's love for us and love it. living that out. <laughs> and leading each other to heaven, too. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, we're talking about Advent because, again, we're in the season of Advent, and this is probably the shortest season of Advent we can possibly have this year, so we're going to have to cram four weeks into three. I know. It's true. It is. It's and this is the shortest advent you can have in theory. Yes. Because the day after after Fourth Sunday uh, is Christmas is Monday, and so normally you get four weeks. This this will have three weeks this year, so, so to speak. Uh, now before we go into specific thoughts, uh, when you think Advent, especially growing up, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, you know, of course, being a Catholic, we're you know, and we know it's about the birth of Jesus and getting ready. Uh, there's a secular dimension that has been influencing the world gradually is this whole notion of, well, Santa Claus giving gifts for decorate trees and decorate your house. And Granted, all of that's beautiful, and it's a wonderful thing to do because basically we Catholics, we Christians know that the Son of God became man, was born on Christmas Day. That's the day we celebrate the birth of the Son of God, become man. That's an amazing event. The most amazing event in history is the birth of the Son of God into this world. So, I mean, at some point in your journey of growing up, I mean, if you're at least raised in most, most Catholic families, you know that's what you're celebrating. Now, granted, if your faith family, your family is not too well and strong in the faith, you may not ever realize that. And there, unfortunately, there are families that where faith is not important. But in general, most families will focus on it's about baby Jesus. And you decorate with the Advent wreath. You have a, a nativity scene kind of set up. You hold off the baby Jesus till December 25th. And you do all these activities, which I think are very important for us because it is about Jesus' first coming. And we're involved in his, as one of the, I think St. Augustine says, his second coming is even now through the sacraments and through our in, uh, experiencing him. Uh, now in uh, in through the church and the sacraments, it's the kingdom present, and then finally the third coming will be you know the end of the world, and all these comings are in the season of Advent. They're, you know, like we began with talking about this last Sunday the this, the coming of Jesus in glory, you know, yes. and then we're going to be hearing from John the Baptist this Sunday and the next couple of Sundays, John announcing the coming of the Savior, and then the fourth Sunday is going to be about Mary welcoming. Uh, the angel Gabriel, and conceiving the Son of God. So it's a beautiful season to ponder what does it mean that God became man? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think uh, one of the things that uh, we don't fully understand the enormity of what it is we're talking about, because a lot of people uh, think mythology and Christianity sort of being the same thing, you know, we had gods back then in mythology, you know, and they were on earth and all this thing. But the sheer enormity of the creator of the universe. Right. Choosing to become a baby. Right. 
should be mind-blowing for all of us. It should be. And we have historical evidence. I mean, you would not have the Gospels. You would not have the New Testament. You would not have people dying for this truth in the early church, uh, hundreds of martyrs. You would not have that if it were a myth or made up. Right. No one's going to die for a myth. But they themselves, they experienced Jesus. They, you know, John, when he wrote his gospel, you know, you know, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You know, this whole deep understanding that who is Jesus? He is God. But he's He's the Son of God, and so you begin to develop the Trinity. <laughs> yes, you know it's just amazing. So uh, we all should be pondering this during this this season of Advent. We should be pondering this, and then trying to pondering. Well, what about my life? Am I uh, am I living a, a life in harmony with the tremendous message of Jesus? Uh, what about my life? Do I need to look at and change and because Advent is a season of preparation of, of maybe not so much deep fasting like Lent, but it is about changing and maybe sacrificing in degrees in different areas to become more the person God wants us to be. And uh, we were talking a little bit about the uh, preparation for the first coming, the second coming, yeah. and the third coming, I like the way Cardinal Dolan, and I know he stole it, I believe it's from St. Augustine, when he talks about Jesus coming in history and mystery and in majesty. Right. And so Advent has always been about both anticipation and patience. Right. <laughs> that idea of, you know, we're getting ready for something, but it's not here yet. Not here yet, but already it is present. Yes. I mean, this is... Uh... Already, you know, the, like Jesus said, the kingdom is in your midst. If people have a hard time, what, what does he mean by that? What do you mean the kingdom's here? I think it can be probably most uh, well uh, expressed by saying that the kingdom is really a matter of, now this is kind of from our Catholic perspective, allowing the Holy Spirit to be in your heart and soul, to be guided by the Spirit, by, by Jesus' teaching and love, so that, granted, it begins a baptism, but but even so, you have to nourish that, allow that spirit to work, allow God to change you. I uh, like I said at a talk I gave last week to a men's group. You know, our faith is not magic. It's it's not like you do A B C D and X Y Z is going to happen. If you do A B C D with the proper dispositions, with faith and love, yes, you maybe you can expect X Y Z to happen. So it's this whole notion of mystery that God wants us to participate in um, this change, to allow ourselves to be transformed. I think Advent is a time we can deepen or allow God to deepen his, his love, his wisdom within our hearts. Now, the people that know me are going to get upset if I don't throw this in. <laughs> My favorite word in the entire Bible is metanoia. Yes, awesome. This notion of turning around. Of, uh, and So Advent yeah. is one of these seasons— uh, smaller than Lent, but one of those seasons where we're asked to look at ourselves, where do I need to turn my life around? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, now, you know, I know that a lot of our listeners probably uh, probably have a share of an opinion that I have about the culture in which we're living today. Our culture is very dark today. There's a lot of things that uh, I would say that basically would, if people embrace those activities, would le exclude them from heaven forever. It's, it's that serious. Yes. Our culture's really gotten dark. So what are we supposed to do? 
Well, you know, I think the best way is what Jesus did. We, we live the truth ourselves first, make sure that we're in harmony with God. We, we live a life of charity, love others. And then as we can, we speak the truth in love. We, we um, you know, like, um, and we priests have a special role because we have the ministry of preaching the word of God at mass. And we're supposed to uh, alert people to things they should be avoiding, you know, in love, but giving the truth uh, so that, you know, these, these areas of moral confusion that are that are affecting our society, and I'll just be very honest, it would include like abortion. It would include this confusion over sexual identity. It would include same-sex activity. It would include drug abuse or addiction, uh, a lot pornography. All these things are part of our our culture today. That um, how would I put it? Are not are really dark and leading people away from God. And I uh, want to remind our listeners, uh, you're listening to the Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Bobay. And uh, my guest this morning is Monsignor Leonard Pavanka, and we're talking all things Advent. Now, you bring up an excellent topic, the whole notion of the culture's influence and how it seems to darken yes. the humanity of what we're it created is. to be. Yeah. And I think this is one of the things that, again, talking about this season of change, asking ourselves, you know, how much of this culture are we taking in, even if we're not participating in right. what it's doing, right? but just being assaulted by that darkness constantly. Yeah. And so we have to really work on it too, Mike. I, uh, one of the things that you know, my own life, we have to kind of just discreetly be careful what we uh, subject our eyes to, our ears to, uh, really carefully excluding doing, watching programming or things that are going to hurt our soul. It's been said in Catholic spirituality that what you see with your eyes and hear with your ears affects your soul. That's where we get this whole notion of, you know, your soul can be impure because if it's affected by the by bad stuff that you're looking at and uh, you know watching, that does affect your soul. And so, what God wants us to do is is focus on good things, the beauty of creation, the beauty of of nature, the the beauty of each other. You know, we're all persons made in God's image, and you just you know, so you you're continually focusing on the right things, and that's going to be lifting up your spirit in a good way. So you're walking around really with a smile on your face amidst the major corruption that we're maybe surrounding us today. And I find it interesting. We were talking about you know, the darkness of the culture and it goes very much along with this sense of despair that is so yeah. inundated in our culture. And uh, it's always been amazing to me when you listen to secular psychiatrists and one of the things they say is that one key to getting out of this is thinking of others. Right. Is volunteering, is helping other people. Charity. Charity, which I don't think that they understand the irony of, you know, removing Christianity from the worldview and yet predicting that Christianity's teaching is the cure to some of the things that happen. It is the cure. And if you read any kind of the spiritual classics, and I always like to highlight uh, the great third, uh, third order Dominican, St. Catherine of Siena, her dialogue. 
And uh, in that dialogue with God or Father, uh, it becomes very clear, and this is good Catholic spirituality, that part of the basis of our of our brokenness as human beings is this self-love, self-will. You know, we just focus on yourself alone and not on others, not on God. And so that is overcoming self-will, overcoming pride are two of the biggest, uh, you know, how would I put it, uh, efforts we have as Catholics to learn to be more humble, accepting God's truth, and then loving, uh, having charity toward others. And that goes along with the sense of, you know, obedience to God as well. So uh, a good good Catholic spirituality is saying, no, the solution is not more, I'm okay, you're okay. <laughs> it's more like we're all broken, and how can we be healed? Because any ideology that refuses to accept original sin, that we are broken, yes. and that if we just follow our feelings, we're going to wind up in a bad place. But the Christian ideology, the Christian teaching, I see doctrine, is that, you know, God knows we're broken, <laughs> and he's, he loved us so much he sent his son so that God can take that brokenness and, and then heal us, enable us to be also wounded healers of others. There was a great, I forget the theologian that wrote that book, The Wounded Healers, but it's so true that we, we can be the instruments in our broken culture where there's so much selfishness, narcissism, to break through and say, no, it's about helping other people. So I'd encourage all our listeners to be involved with something where you're going to be helping people. Yes, and again, this is uh, we're talking about Advent. We're talking about changing things in our life and preparing for the coming of Christ. And this is a perfect good example of some of the things we can look at in our life. How can I be a positive yeah, influence absolutely. on others rather than the negative influence? And um, we tend to so often fall into this, oh, everything's horrible. There's yeah. nothing I can do. And Christianity doesn't allow us to do that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Jesus wants us to be filled with hope. Now, I don't, call, I don't say it's optimism. But I think it's hope because optimism is more secular. But hope means that God is always in charge no matter what happens, no matter how bad things going on, that God is still in charge and his will will be victorious. You know, Jesus will be the victor. So, yeah, it's a, it's an amazing thing. Uh, I also want to mention one other thing as we talk about this Advent season. I think, you know, of course, with your family, spend time in prayer. Maybe do bless the Advent wreath, light the candles every day, have a little prayer around it. Maybe read some scripture about the coming of Jesus. You can use, even use readings from the daily mass. But spend time in prayer also, if you can, before Jesus in the tabernacle. You know, we have different places here in the Bryan College Station area have adoration chapels, and I want to commend all those pastors who do uh, have that in their parishes or even at A&M. So spending time with Jesus present in, in, the, you know, in the tabernacle and often exposed you know, on the altar in those chapels is an amazing experience of, how would I put it? It's like, was it Carlos Acuda says, it's like being sitting, sit, sitting in the sun and getting a suntan. You're sitting in Jesus' radiation site and getting grace. <laughs> He's radiating grace to you as you sit before him. But let's put it this way. You're going to sit before Jesus. In the end, it's always going to be good. Yes. But this is, uh, again, we were talking about, you know, the uh, three thoughts about the coming yeah. of Christ. Mm -hmm. And this is a perfectly example of the middle one. The middle one. 
Jesus is already present. We should take advantage of that. Absolutely. We should take the opportunity to sit with him. And what about confession, too, Mike? I mean, like, you know, some of us, we we all have faults and failings, okay? We all need the sacrament of confession. And so it's important for us to, uh, to utilize this awesome sacrament. You know, we Catholics realize that by confessing our sins and weaknesses to Jesus, who works through the priest, we get forgiveness and encouragement and grace to pick up, stand up again and start start another journey renewed by the grace and love of Jesus. See, the sacrament is all from Jesus. <laughs> yes, which again points out the difference between us as Christians and the secular culture. Right. Christianity, while we may recognize our flaws and feel bad about it, God always provides us the means to set it right. Right. Absolutely. And this doesn't allow for despair. Yet our culture, you see this, well, you know, everything's bad. I can't fix it. Yeah, yeah. And yet Christianity says, of course you can. All you have to do is recognize your faults, admit to them. Yes. And vow to try to do better. Right. That's it. That's that's metanoia. Yes, exactly. metanoia. And, you know, it's something we're all called to. I like, you know, when Pope Francis, when Pope John Paul did those five luminous mysteries. Yes. I thought that was a great addition because he, there was a gap in the rosaries. There was the joyful, the sorrowful, and glorious. We didn't really have much about the life of Jesus in his public ministry. So John Paul decided to add those mysteries, the five luminous mysteries. And one of the mysteries he chose, they're all good, awesome yes. mysteries. You know, baptism with John, baptism with Jesus by John. You have the changing of water in, into wine at the wedding feast of Cana. And then, of course, you have the third luminous mystery. Jesus begins to proclaim the gospel and call everyone to conversion, call everyone to metanoia. And I think this is the essence of the good news. Yes. We have to be transformed. Now, could you have Catholics or Christians that are not transformed? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You could. Unfortunately, that's because they have decided, for whatever reason, not to allow themselves to undergo conversion by God's grace. Maybe they walked away from the Lord for by some reason, by some methodology, but we're supposed to say, okay, Lord, I'm, I am broken. I may have been baptized. I, f- I fell away. I'm back again. I, I want to be, I want to heed your call to conversion and and begin to live this new life. So really, Advent ties in a little bit with Lent because it is a conversion. Yes. Can I say something? Yeah. Um, One thing that kind of what you're talking about and makes me think of a lot is when Jacob wrestles with God um, and he's named Israel for because Israel means to contend with or to strive with God. And I think that a lot of what you're talking about is not turning away from God, but to even when you mess up, even when you fall, to get back. And, and struggle through it. Absolutely. That's a good point. Yes. A very good point. It is a struggle. Yes. You know, and I think, you know, a lot of people that have this, well, our, our Christian faith is an easy ride. It's going to be, no, no. It's it's living your faith with Jesus and with amidst the struggles, amidst the crosses and dying to self, the uh, all those aspects that are part of any Christian vocation, yes. marriage, priesthood, diaconate, Seeing with the single life, those who have some, the religious especially have a, a call to undergo deep conversion. Yes. 
Uh, again, I want to remind everybody, you're listening to the Red Sea Roundup. Uh, we're talking all things Advent this morning, and my guest is Monsignor Leonard Pavonka. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about as you were speaking is all the things you mentioned about the darkness in our world. Mm-hmm. All of them hinge on the fact that I get to do whatever I want. There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. And this is the antithesis of the Catholic view is that I am broken. Yes. I need God's help. Absolutely. And until we realize that, that's also part of the dialogue of St. Catherine of Siena, where God our Father tells Catherine, until you realize you're broken and you you need you need grace from God the Father to be healed, to be happy, to really find your purpose and meaning in life, you're going to be unhappy. No money, no power, no status, no fame, no lust, no whatever pleasures, none of that's going to fulfill us. When people look in those areas, they cry, oh, if I do this, this, and this, I'm going to be perfectly happy. No, you're not, unless you're pursuing God himself. Then as Augustine discovered <laughs> in his life, then you will discover what makes you happy is the Lord himself. That's it. Yes, and uh, I think this is for us, and I include Christians, non-Christians, whatever, is such a controversial thing to think that if I give up everything mm-hmm. and embrace God, that's going to be enough. And our culture tells us the opposite. Right. I need all this. Yeah. And yet God says, no, you don't need it. If you find me, I'll give you everything on top, but you, know, you don't need it. One thing I want to emphasize too, when Augustine discovered that moment when he you know, totally alleged was taken read the, the gospel and he underwent conversion. Now, granted, uh, uh, I think uh, Bishop uh, Ambrose had a lot to do, St. Yes. Ambrose had a lot to do with that, but uh, when he uh, listened and read the gospel and God's grace touched his soul and he underwent a whole new awakening to what he had been seeking the truth for a long time. He, you know, y'all, you know his sexual escapades and stuff, and, and yet his, his, he was caught into all kinds of dynamics but it was only when he finally took the word of God and received grace from God that suddenly his whole life became meaningful and he was at peace. Up until then, he had been searching. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And see, I think what Augustine felt, he felt a kind of rest he had never felt before in all those other areas of his life. And I think that speaks to all of us today. All these people that are trying to find happiness in these other areas I mentioned earlier, the darkness, you're not going to find it there. It's going to only be in this grace of God. And which brings me back to uh, our topic for this morning uh, and Advent and the notion that, you know, our secular culture celebrates Advent differently from us as Catholics because while for us as Catholics, Advent is a time of preparation. Mm-hmm. In the secular world, this means shopping and decorating. <laughs> and uh, for us as Catholic, of course, it means St. Augustine. Right. It means and, that you notion. Know, we, can, we can decorate, Mike, and we, yes. can, we can, you know, obviously share gifts. There's another problem with that. But the key is understanding what all this is about. Now, I did a little decoration. I live here in Bryan. I have a little decoration. I like to kind of do some decoration to yeah, it's basically the Son of God becoming man, being born into our world. That's amazing. Yes. That, that, all these lights in town, all these lights are appropriate for what God has done. He's come into the world as our light. You know, so, so you have to see 
All this stuff we're doing has a meaning. And I think some people are so surface on superficial, they don't understand it. It's not just about, you know, going out and shopping or going and just decorating for the pur- for the just purpose of decorating. There is a real deep meaning to it all. Yes, and uh, I think this is, you know, all the things that we do in our secular culture today is based on something that was brought into the church in order to help us to focus on what it is that we're doing. Mm-hmm. The Advent wreath, the Christmas tree, all these things that have taken form over time to right. help us build our spiritual life gearing up towards uh, Christmas. And so once we have removed that understanding, then we're basically just going through the motions yeah. without any connection to what it is that we're doing. Yeah, And um, it's one of the things I wanted to ask you. How much of a challenge do you think it is for Catholics living in the world we live in today to see what's going on around us and still focus on our spiritual life as we prepare for Christmas during the season of Advent. It, it is a challenge, and I know Catholic parishes and, and churches are doing what they can to offer people activities, uh, uh, programs to deepen the meaning of Advent and Christmas. Uh, so I know that you know every there's been a lot of activities going on, even confessions being held, but there's, you know, there's all the kind of activities for the family that we can attend and to get a kind of understand that what it's all about. And all those activities, I know recently I was at a, a giving a part of a men's day, women's day of recollection, and that was also kind of meant to help prepare for Christmas. All these things are good, but in the home too, and I hope I, I hope I, I, I I'm listened to by these, by families that are listening today. Pray with your family in the home during Advent. Like, you know, um, uh, you can find prayers that are beautiful Advent prayers. Take your um, your mistlet or, you know, you can go online and, and get a prayers that are appropriate for Advent that your family can pray. Stuff like that. Little children love to learn about things. You know, talk to your children about the Jesse tree and you know, all those symbols on the tree. Talk to your children about, you know, why this manger scene? Well, who is Who's Jesus? Who's Mary Joseph? And you can use an opportunity to explain all this stuff to the children. They need to know how important it is that God became man. And I think this is, again, for uh, us as Catholics, Advent provides this wonderful opportunity to grow into this sense of anticipation and realizing what it is and uh, Again, parishes provide opportunities for us to focus on this, to counteract all the influences that we see that run contrary to this idea, that whole notion that it requires a credit card in order to prepare for Christmas. Right. And so uh, I think that, um, you know, as we're preparing for this, uh, always be mindful that there is a conflict between the secular understanding of Advent and the Christian understanding of Advent. Mm Mm-hmm and do what you can in your own families to emphasize the spiritual side of things. Yeah, and you can even do such things as cooking. You know, there's all kinds of things you can do. Be creative as a family. Put in, interior decorations to your house that may have some real beautiful meaning uh, for the family. The t- different ornaments on the tree can be very meaningful. 
I mentioned cooking and fixing special foods during this time involve the family. Um, you're just you got to be creative. I mean, there's w- ways that we can uh, both as Christian families and uh, even you know um, in your neighborhood. I mean, compliment people on how they're they decorate their houses. I like your house. I like the nativity scene you set up. Whatever <laughs> yes. you know, there's things that we can do to help each other. I know. Um, I was wondering if I was going to be the only guy in my neighborhood to, to decorate the house. And luckily there was a neighbor across the street that put out lights. Now I think it's important to have lights. I think yes. it's, it's, it's kind of, it, it's a part of the reality that Christ is the light, which came into the world and the world. And, you know, we Catholics are not afraid to announce that, you know? And so as no. people would ever ask you, why do you decorate your house? Because Jesus is the light. And I'm kind of proclaiming his coming into the world. Uh, it's interesting. My parents live up in Denton, and uh, as they're getting older, it's more difficult for them to put up decorations yes. outside. So luckily, my brothers live in the area. So every year, their job is to go up <laughs> into the attic and drag out the nativity scene, mm-hmm. which is made of wood and painted. And beautiful. Beautiful. And every year, people stop and congratulate my parents on the wonderful nativity scene out of the yard, and some have actually walked up and said, why is there no baby Jesus? And they said, because there isn't Christmas yet. It's not Christmas Day yet. Exactly. <laughs> and so, but this is how we can ask Christians. You know, and I want to make one for the comment, too. I was just thinking about this when you mentioned uh, about your dad and stuff. Um, Christmas is coming, you know, December 25th. I want to encourage all of our audience to keep that season until the beginning of the baptism of the Lord, yes. up to Epiphany, because I would like to see houses maintain their decorations, everything, until the Epiphany celebration, yes. where we celebrate the three Magi coming to see Jesus. Um, yeah, don't take your things down until until Epiphany. Continue to proclaim Jesus' birth when Christmas comes. This is important for us. Yes, because otherwise we're going to be buying into this Christmas season, this Advent to Christmas Day, Yes, and we're done with it. And so we don't want to further that notion. We as Catholics want to make sure we emphasize Christmas starts on Christmas Day and ends at mm-hmm. the baptism of the Lord, that season, mm-hmm. or at least Epiphany, the coming of the Magi. You know, one thing I want to also add to, when you mentioned praying as a family, the one prayer that is so beautiful that is about Christmas. Is the uh, is the Annunciation uh, of the angel to Mary, and we pray the Angelus prayer. It's called the Angelus prayer because mm-hmm. the angel came to Mary. Yes, but it's a beautiful prayer, and you can pray that every day with your family during Advent. And what's critical? Listen to what happens to Mary when the angel says, "You know, the Almighty would uh, is would like to basically." Use you as a mother to bring the savior of the world into the world. And she says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. So Mary has this beautiful sense of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Your word be done, Lord. Whatever you want, behold the handmaid, behold the servant of the Lord. Your will be done. That is a good Advent teaching. We all need to listen to Mary and you know, follow that teaching. You know, God's will be done whatever that might be. And I find it interesting that uh, we sort of begin Christmas with that statement from Mary 
let it be done to me mm-hmm. according to thy word. Mm-hmm. And it ends at Epiphany, which includes the wedding feast to Cana. Yes. Where the last words of Mary are, do whatever he tells you. Love that. And so you have that juxtaposition of she's doing what she tells us to do. Right. And, you know, that's... And it's all about Jesus. It's like she's saying, look at my son, do whatever he tells you. See, one thing uh, some of our non-Catholic brothers and sisters don't understand our love for Mary, we see her as the one who is totally obedient to Jesus, totally docile to his will. And yes, she raised him. She was a mother to him, uh, an amazing role, but... She always did what Jesus wanted, including uh, including standing beside his cross when he was dying on the cross for our salvation. She was there by his plan so that he that she would participate in his suffering because she was his mother. Yes. I mean, so she felt all of that, all the pain of his crucifixion. But she did so in a loving way, offering her son to the Father because she knew Jesus to fulfill the divine plan, had to give his life for us. So, so she's there supporting him in his death, not getting angry, not getting upset, but just surrendering, Father, your will be done. I know this This is part of your plan, uh, you know, helping her son die. Now, this might be a good key for us at Advent is to keep that in mind that our goal is to do whatsoever he tells us. Absolutely. <laughs> so true. Now, uh we're almost out of time, so I wanted to talk, ending this before your blessing, a little bit about, about the joy of anticipation. Yeah, the joy. That is so... Now, we Catholics believe that this is a special gift from Jesus. Joy is something that great theologians and well, great uh, uh, spiritual writers, great saints have written about. It comes from Jesus. We don't, I'm not talking about pleasure. I'm talking about joy. It's like part of the soul is experiencing the the joy of the happiness of God in them, God being with them, God leading them. And it's hard to describe it. You read the Divine Mercy Journal of St. Faustina, she has a hard time describing her joy. Yes. But it is real. And can anybody receive it? I think so. All you have to do is allow Jesus to transform you. Which is what Advent is all about. It's all about. So work on that, and you'll be you'll have the joy of Jesus. <laughs> uh, Monsignor, I want to thank you very much for being on the show today, and especially for giving us some insight into the beauty of Advent and mm-hmm. the need for us to embrace it as a sense of metanoia, right? Of adjusting our life to be who God calls us to be, and I think that uh, you know. So often we lose sight of Advent as a season in itself of being, you know, something that we should be doing other than just thinking about Christmas. Right, right. It's a time of really undergoing a a level of transformation. I agree. So uh, are we ready for the blessing? What I'd like to do today for the blessing is give a a four-part blessing that's from Advent. So this is Advent blessing. And so after each of these uh, four... uh, Blessings, you'll say amen. Okay. Let's begin. Now let's bow our heads. May the almighty and merciful God, by whose grace you have placed your faith in the first coming of his only begotten son and yearn for his coming again, sanctify you by the radiance of Christ's advent and enrich you with his blessing. 
Amen. Amen. As you run the race of this present life, may he make you firm in faith, joyful in hope, and active in charity. Amen. Amen. So that rejoicing now with devotion at the Redeemer's coming in the flesh, you may be endowed with the rich reward of eternal life when he comes again in majesty. Amen. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. And uh, we have about a minute left, so I want to remind everybody that uh, we have part two coming up after the break we're going to take. And um, we'll talk a little bit about our um, benefit dinner. We'll talk a little bit about Victory Sports. And we will talk a little bit about St. Nicholas, who is one of my favorite saints for reasons that most people may not actually know. So uh, we're going to come back on the other side. Again, uh, Monsignor, thank you so much for being on the show. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Deacon Mike. It's been a pleasure being with you. And hopefully, let's just pray that everybody listening today has a great Advent season and a wonderful Christmas. Yes. And remember, Christmas doesn't end on December 25th. Christmas ends on Epiphany or the baptism of the Lord, depending on how far you want to stretch it. Right. (laughs) So um, we're going to be back on the other side. So don't leave and uh, we'll be right back.